Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Mo Crum. And I'm Harrison Crum. And we're the Crummy Marathoners. This podcast is for beginners by beginners. If you're thinking about running your first marathon or half marathon or are in the process, this is for you. We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned. If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. On today's episode... We talked to Sonny Lawrence from Team Iron Cowboy about their experience completing 50 Ironmans in 50 days across 50 states and what they learned along the way. Plus, listen closely to hear what they are planning next. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12, season 2 of... The Marathon Training for Beginners podcast by the Crummy Marathoners. Hey, hey! Hey, boy, do we have a treat for you today. A humongo treat, like a nice big chocolate pie. Mo makes the best chocolate (laughs) pie, by the way. Chocolate soaked pie. Depending on what batch, I think my my pies were pretty good this year. She made chocolate pies for Christmas, so... (laughs) Next year, if you're lucky, maybe we can do a giveaway and you can win one of Mo's fancy pies. Oh, yeah. Just throw it in some dry eyes. Bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The treat of all treats is Sonny Lawrence, whose husband is the most intense endurance athlete on planet Earth. This is 100% true. (laughs) But we will get into that later. But we're so excited for this episode, you guys. Yeah. I mean, Sonny really is the captain of this Iron Cowboy ship. Without her... I don't really think anything of what James does would be possible. No, and I think he not. would agree too. I think he even mentioned this. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I I think what was so impressive is how tight knit they are as a family. I mean, they have five kids. Five. We have two, and it's crazy enough to train for marathons. Yes, or even get to dinner time. <laughs> or even yeah, seriously. But then imagine being the Guinness Book of World Records holder for Ironmans. Now. If you don't know what an Ironman is, we'll talk about that in a second, but it takes a lot of time to prepare and train. This isn't just like training for a marathon or a half marathon. I mean, this is like a whole different ballgame. Mm. So that's a lot of time away from the family. And I just, I don't know, Mo and I just loved how much they value their family unit. Oh, yeah. It's just incredible. I was so moved by our um, conversation with her, but we will get into that in just a minute. Because before we go any further, we need to announce the winner of last episode's giveaway. We love giveaways. Yes, we do. And the winner is... Scott Twy. We hope you said your last name right. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so sorry if we didn't. Um, Scott, thanks so much for participating in our giveaway. You are awesome. And message us to claim your prize. Yes, yes. Come send us a message. And... We want to announce another giveaway. We were not joking. We love them, everyone. We're on a giveaway roll. Mm -hmm. So this week's giveaway sponsor is called Endure Socks. That's E-N-D-U-R. All right. These are performance socks with fun designs. I have a pair myself. They have llamas on them. They're so cute. (laughs) When I pair my llama socks with my donut sprint hat, I do look kind of silly. You're unstoppable. But unstoppable. (laughs) My neighbors see me and they look at me funny. They say, who is this guy? And why is he in our neighborhood? No, no. And that's false because Harrison runs at like the crack of dawn. No one is out <laughs> at that time. <laughs> um, but hey, this this time there's going to be two winners. Ooh. All right? So one winner will, will win the small pair of socks because we have two. We have a small pair that sizes four to seven for men or five to nine for women. And then we have a large pair, which is size eight to 12 for men. 10 to 13 for women. So to enter, send us a note, either to, uh, go to our website and send us a note or go to our Instagram with the code word ENDURE. Again, endure. that's E-N-D-U-R. And be sure to say whether or not you're small or large. 
So, yes. but if you don't win, consider checking out their website and their designs, enduraparel.com. Again, that's E-N-D-U-R. Awesome socks. I love mine. But the cutoff is Sunday, the 31st of January at midnight Pacific Standard Time. Yep. Get it in, people. All right. Well, hey, guys, we have a fun shout out this week from Alan. He's from Ireland. And here he is. Hey, guys. How are you? Um, my name is Alan from Ireland here. I recently came across your podcast on Spotify as I'm just looking to train for my first marathon and I found it super helpful and loads of tips and with a dad of two I can relate to a lot of the topics you're talking about and it's just so helpful. Um, So keep up the great work, Um, keep me inspired, start the new year. Um, So keep safe across the sea and thanks very much from Ireland. Oh man, I, all right, we're going to get a little emotional here for a second, friends. I can't tell you how much I appreciate our friends like Alan from all over, all around the world. You know, I think with this last year with 2020 and even the first few weeks of 2021, it's really taken a, a hit on people for speaking personally, mentally, emotionally. It's just been a lot. And I'm not going to lie. I've been... My training has really been hindered by everything that's going on. And so sometimes I just lose focus on, you know, why I run. And it's hearing people like Alan call in and and tell us that we in some way, shape or form are enjoyable for him to listen to or that he's found something that um, we've researched or people we've spoken to that are helpful. That just reinvigorates me to just keep going. And so I just want to say thank you, Alan, and thank you, everyone else who listens to us and who's our friend from all over, because you guys are consistently inspiring us to keep going and to keep running and to keep being better. Yeah. And we love the notes that we get, but we also love when you send in a voice memo. So feel free to send it to us. Our our email is crummymarathoners at gmail.com. Yeah. So. It's super cool to hear everyone's voice from all over the world. Yeah. But you can also go to our website and click the microphone button and submit it that way. Yes. We want to travel and meet everyone. We do. From all we do. Over. <laughs> now, speaking of people from all over, we have nice a new... Segue. I know, right? <laughs> we have a new ambassador program. Woo! And really the purpose of this group was to get a a tight-knit group of listeners together to talk about how can we make this podcast better? How can we get it out to the masses? Because we all know that there's a community thriving here that's grown over the last year of people who want to get out there and they want to run their first half marathon or their first marathon and they need a community of people to cheer them on. And so that's what we decided to do is create this ambassador program. Yeah. And I think something that's so special about the community that that we've been able to be a part of with all of you is that we're really not in this for us. We're we're in this for the community and it's the community that has been pushing us forward. So we're super excited about this program and the incredible minds that have already thrown these insane ideas at us. We're just like, whoa. Yeah, mind blowing. So <laughs> <Or> whoa. <laughs> we, whoa. We want to give some shout outs. So Miriam Olson from Norway, Ali from Michigan. Woo-hoo. She said not to say her last name because it was hard to pronounce. <laughs> Carrie Ann from New Jersey. Woo-woo. Megan Green from Georgia, Georgia. Aaron Stanfield from Mississippi, Michelle Basias from Illinois, Amy Middlebrooks from Indiana, Ah. and Colby Pollock from Australia. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for helping to promote the show and help us get in front of as many new runners as possible and for helping us with the ideas that you've already thrown our way. So uh, if you want to be a part of this ambassador program, send us a note and uh, we would love to have you on board. All right, everyone, the moment you've been waiting for. Bum, bum, bum. It's time for us to introduce Team Iron Cowboy. Okay, now, I know what you're thinking. Iron Cowboy, I thought we were talking to Sunny. Well, Sunny is part, and I really think she's the captain of the the ship. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Of Iron Cowboy. And Sunny is married to James, who is the quote-unquote Iron Cowboy. And the, probably the best way to learn about James is to watch his documentary on Amazon Prime. It's called Iron Cowboy, the story of the 50-50-50 triathlon. So in this, he successfully completed 50 Ironmans in 50 consecutive days in each of the 50 states in America. It's insane. Mic drop. Absolutely insane. I remember when Harris and I first saw it and we were just blown away. Um, Not just 
because James is literally superhuman, but also because Sunny is, I truly believe, superhuman as well. Oh, yeah. Um, so in case you aren't familiar with the, the term Ironman, um, it's basically a race where you start off by swimming 2.4 miles, then you bike 112 miles, and then you run a full marathon. <laughs> a full marathon. <laughs> People, we're just training for I'm just training for a full marathon. Harrison's training for a full marathon. James literally did a marathon a day on top of everything. For 50 else. days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so in this interview, we were so incredibly blessed to talk with Sunny, who's James' wife. Um, and she tells us all about how she was able to keep James on track, literally. And basically, without her, none of it would have been possible. Um, they have five beautiful children. And she just, again, she's superhuman. And by the way, Sunny is also an incredible athlete. You'll hear more about that in the interview, but she's done around 10 marathon, a bunch of triathlons, including an Ironman, and just has a plethora of incredible feats. Basically, is there anything she can't do, Harrison? No, no, I don't think there is. No. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to give away too much, but this was an incredibly impactful interview, especially for me as a mom, as a woman. uh, I was in tears. Yeah. Literally in tears. I witnessed it because I was sitting right next to her. (laughs) And and after I just, yeah. Yeah. It was was an emotional experience and and really a growth opportunity for Mo and I to to be in the presence, virtual presence, I should say, Mm -hmm. of someone just so powerful um, who has had such an impact on the world, both her and James. And I, th- I think that this is a good time before we play the interview to, to introduce the amazing cause that both Sonny and James are fighting for right now. Mm. Um, so they just announced that they're back at it. James is going to be running 100 consecutive Ironmans now in 100 days. So starting March 1st, they're going to go for 100 days straight and do this all over again, just around his house. Wow. Y- yeah. I mean, it's, in- it's insane when they talk about it, you know, a lot of a lot of the haters, you know, because haters going to hate. There's always haters with, oh, that, yeah. with anything. Haters going to hate. <laughs> they, they gave him a lot of flack for the last time around because they had to get creative about completing it because of the logistics. It was almost impossible. So what they've done now is they're just going to, they've created a track right around his house, but they've invited people to go. Their, their home is out in Utah to participate in this with them. So you better believe Mo and I, are, we're going to try to get out there and, and meet them in person. Oh, yeah. At least we'll do one day we'll do the the marathon marathon. lake but we're not going to be swimming we're not going to be biking (laughs) but the cause is operation underground railroad which fights against child sex trafficking and so if you want to learn more follow james and sunny on instagram Uh, sunny is sunny joe lawrence and james is iron cowboy james so without further ado here is the legendary sunny joe lawrence All right. Welcome to the podcast, Sunny Joe Mama. How are you doing today? I am so great. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. We are so honored, Sunny. I can't even tell you. <laughs> honored? Are you kidding? The honor's oh. mine. <laughs> well, we have been big fans for a little while. And uh, ever since really we saw the 50-50-50 documentary. Mm-hmm. And um, we thought, no way we're going to get to talk to these cool people. And, and here you are. So... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was interesting too because while James is the Iron Cowboy and absolutely amazing, I was like, I really want to just talk to Sunny and figure out how she did what she did. Yeah, yeah. A lot, I always get that from women. They're always like, "Who is this woman, and why did you let him do this?" Stuff? I know. Seriously. Well, before we jump into anything, Sunny, you go by Sunny, Sunny Joe, Sunny Joe Mama. Can you kind of tell us what you want us to call you? Well, I my middle name is Joe, but I actually did. Didn't know that until I was an adult because I always went by Sunny Joe. As I got older, people just naturally start dropping the Joe. Um, but Sunny Joe Mama has always been a name I've used and joked about since I was a little kid. So got it. Okay. A lot of call me Sunny. We can bring Sunny Joe back. James has been calling me Sunny Joe forever, but it just doesn't seem to stick. <laughs> got it. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about you? Uh, obviously, we want to get into the Iron Cowboy and, and how you steer that ship, so to speak, but you know, we, we want to learn more about your endurance and, you know, what you've been able to do as an athlete and, and how that all got started. Okay. Well, when I was growing up, I was a gymnast and I played basketball and volleyball and softball. And um, I always loved sports. And as I got older, 
I realized that I was going to have to make an effort to stay in shape. And so I started running and I just realized I really loved it. And I kind of always wanted to run track, but it never really worked out. And so um, I just ran for fitness and I didn't ever do anything structured. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about structured running. And then as soon as James and I got married, he was a wrestler and I kind of always gave him grief about just lifting weights. And so he um, thought that he was a specimen until he did a four mile fun run, (laughs) which led us into a marathon, which then led us into triathlon. So I always thought that I would dive into the sport more heartily as my kids got older, but it's actually the opposite. I've tended to back off a little bit as my kids have gotten older, but I did endurance sports for 15 years. Wow. Okay. Amazing. So you were the one who kind of got it started and he just, he just followed you. Yeah, I I think to me, the idea of doing things for fun is what makes me sparkle. For him, the idea of competition is what makes him sparkle. Mm. So it happened to be a sport that we could both do, triathlon in particular, or even running, that uh, we could both do and enjoy for different reasons. So it was a way for you guys to connect in your marriage? Yeah, you know, I always joke, it's the only thing we have in common besides sushi and salads. (laughs) Besides that, I mean... We don't really have anything in common. We're polar opposites. Well, we did listen to your podcast with Carrie Brinton, and we thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And we we learned so much about your story and, and some things that you know we wanted to even learn more about. Um, the story that you told was almost unbelievable. The the sacrifices that you both made to get where you are today. Mm-hmm. We were hoping that you could kind of walk us through that story. You know, the recession hit back in oh. I don't know what, 08, somewhere around there. Yeah. And and you guys went through a really hard time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, James's dad is a firefighter, retired firefighter, and his mom is a dreamer. And so James kind of grew up with both worlds. And so as he got older, he thought, well, you know, I'm going to take some risks and, you know, I'm a professional golfer. But then realized once he had a family, the idea of a risk wasn't super comfortable, comforting and comfortable. So he was a mortgage broker thinking, okay, this is a good way to make decent money to take care of my family that, you know, I can always provide for them and that I can do these other things on the side. Well, come to find out there was nothing so safe about mm-hmm. that. And that kind of opened our eyes to recognize that society and our culture want us to think that you need to live in the safe zone when, you know, 2008 taught us that there's no such thing as safe. And that's when we decided it was time to start taking some risks. And if all else failed, James could could just go back to a conventional life and get a job and, you know, live a boring life. So (laughs) it worked out for us. (laughs) It worked out for us. I like a boring life. James doesn't so much. So once again, something we do not have in common. (laughs) Sure. And can I, if I can ask any, during that time, you know, when you decided to take the risk and, you know, just go full steam ahead. Did you see the vision or was it kind of like, were you a little skeptical? Um, you know, that's an interesting question because I, I never cared because I felt like it's James's life and he can do whatever he wants. And as far as I went, I mean, he knew there were stipulations as far as providing for the family and making sure that, you know, we had our needs met. I was a stay at home mom and I've always done odd jobs and things on the side. Mm -hmm. But, um, I always knew that he would provide for our family in the midst of taking these risks. And so, you know, a lot of people don't have that confidence in their significant other, but for James, I, I know he's never going to make a decision unless it's calculated and it's strategic and it's planned. So when it came to the risks and things like this, I always thought like, man, you're nuts. But I never didn't want him to do it. I was like, why would you want to do that? Why, like, are you crazy? Yeah. But I always, I, I was never skeptical because I knew that he would never, you know, he gets to a certain point when he's committed. Mm-hmm. It's like he has all these ideas, but then as soon as he hits that point, then I know he's committed and he's in. Yeah. And he never hits that point unless he's methodically thought things through and so, I, yeah, I guess I, I never have really been skeptical. I probably should have been. <laughs> no, hey, it, it all, it's worked out incredibly. And the inspiration that you both are to anyone who knows your story, I mean, it's just, it's huge. It, it's funny because while you were talking, that reminds me a lot of Harrison. <laughs> I, I'm 
I'm getting kind of emotional. So as you know, as a partner of someone who I feel like is similar to how you were describing James, I, I can't imagine like how scary it must've been, but how, I don't know, like affirming it is in a, in a marriage, you know, to be like, he's, he's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. <laughs> well, and I'll share a personal story with you. Um, you know, the first 10 years of our marriage, James was a little older when we got married. I mean, older than I, I was only 19. He was 24. And you know, he was really comfortable in his single life. And when we first got married, it took him some time to adjust to being responsible for, you know, a a partner as well as soon to come children and a family. And, you know, it took us some time. I mean, people think marriage is supposed to be easy and it's supposed to be this and that. But, you know, for us, it wasn't that. Like we really had to work the first 10 years. And I remember one time I was training for a marathon and I had a 20 mile run and I'd left the house and I hadn't said my prayers yet that mm-hmm. morning. And so I was like, oh, I'll just say my prayers while I'm running and just talk and have a conversation with God. And, you know, I was about 10 miles in and things were so hard at the time. And I just started crying and I was like, I can't live like this anymore. And I I joke, but I'm being serious when I say the heavens <laughs> opened and God spoke to me and said... For 10 years, you've been praying that you guys would be closer. I've answered your prayer. And so I knew from that moment on that everything that was happening was an answer to my prayer, Mm -hmm. not recognizing it because it was so hard. But when I reached out and asked and was like, dude, what is this? Like, why why do I have to suffer so much? You know, that God answered and said, you asked to pull together you're pulling together. And sure enough, from that point forward, our marriage got better and better. And then as soon as uh, probably about 2013, when, you know, by 2012, the year was really hard and we were at separate places, but by 2013, we had really pulled together. And so here we are seven years later and our relationship is impenetrable. It's, it's, you know, we're so close and we've really had to pull together through these hard times. And I know that it was definitely an answer to my prayer. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and you guys went through tremendous trials to to ultimately bring you closer together. Can you share a little bit about the the trials that you guys went through? I, I'm, I'm talking, you know, losing everything, or as people say, losing everything. I, I know you guys feel differently, but I'd love to get your take on that. Well, that's a fun story because we had a friend. Well, he was never my friend. I've never liked him. <laughs> had a guy that said to him, how, how are you? And James like, I'm okay. He's like, how can you be okay? You are in the midst of losing everything. You're going to have nothing. And this was a person that was kind of competitive with him, you know? And James is like, what are you talking about? Everything that matters to me is right here. And he points to all of the kids and me, you know? And like to this friend, he couldn't compute in his mind that he didn't need material things. And he's a materialistic person, so it doesn't surprise me that's his perspective. But, you know, I think about, um, I think one of the greatest lessons we learned was how to problem solve together. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, the hardship's one thing. Everybody experiences hardship. And hardship is either going to break you down and destroy you, particularly a marriage, right? It's going to destroy your marriage, or it's going to bring you together. And that is simply a choice. Now, some people don't like that statement because there's, it takes two to tango. You know, there's, there's two people in on this, but you don't, you know, there's a lot of times in a marriage that one partner's doing all the work and the other one isn't. And that's, that's just the ebb and flow of marriage. There's one down while there's one up. And the goal is for the one that's up the down person up with them and hold them to their highest potential. So for James and I to figure out how to make it, I think was one of the greatest things that, that we could have ever learned together because there were days when there was absolutely no solution, none. And somehow we managed to come up with solutions that didn't make sense to the point that in 2014, let's see, 13, 2013, we moved in with a lady who had Alzheimer's in exchange for rent and utilities. And I mean, who moves in with an old lady as a family of seven? You know, I mean, and he was the most delightful woman in the world and her family was an absolute nightmare. So, you know, living with her during the week was amazing and such an incredible experience. 
But on the weekends when her family would come check in on her, it was an absolute nightmare. And I learned, we were there for two years and I learned after one year to be gone on Saturday (laughs) mornings so that I didn't have to deal with them, you know, but I knew every day I was like, oh my gosh, Heavenly Father, I know I know this is a blessing and I'm so grateful for it. Just help me get through it. Because here it was this random weird solution to help us figure out how to get to the 50 by not paying rent and utilities. (laughs) You know, I mean, it makes no sense. So finding those solutions together and both being willing to sacrifice to make it happen, that's what evolutionized our marriage. And that's what now, I mean... It would be, it it feels impossible to spring anything our way that we couldn't handle. Oh yeah. So can I ask Sunny, was this, so this was right before the 50-50-50? Yeah, this was May of 2013 and we lived with her till May of 2015. And then we left for Hawaii one month later. And in that same time, I was finishing college. So I went back to and we were so poor. I just kept having this thought. I know it was a prompting over and over and over in my head, go back to school, go back to school, go back to school. And I knew James would object because the time of our life was ridiculous. Why would that be the right thing to do? I still had little kids. Quinn was still like little guy, like four and and maybe even three. And um, so I didn't tell James. I just applied for all of these grants I got everything organized. I mean, we were living off like a thousand dollars a month in a family of seven. So I qualified for all these grants. I got everything organized. I registered for school and I told him the week before and I said, I'm starting school on Monday. And he's like, what? And he's like, what about this? What about this? But I'd already created the solution to all of those requests, you know? And so I went back to school and I graduated 10 days before we left for the 50. So he's planning for the 50. He's coaching. He's training. When I say planning for the 50, I mean designing the maps and figuring out the courses and talking to sponsors as well as his training, as well as coaching. And I was taking care of this lady and in school full time. And we were both, I mean, I was training um, and we had these five little kids and it was just a crazy time. Crazy time. Had to pack the whole house up and head to Hawaii. 10 days after I graduated. I just want to say that we haven't even gotten into the 50 and I'm just, I feel like I need to get up and go do something with my life because (laughs) the resilience and the perseverance and the strength that you, you have is just, it's mind blowing. Like it's so inspiring. It is. And I I think a lot of people are going to wonder if they haven't heard your story yet. If they haven't seen the documentary, they're going to say, all right, what was all this for? What were they doing? What were they preparing for? Why were they sacrificing? Who are they? they? Right. That's true. Good point, Harrison. (laughs) So can you tell us, all right, all this sacrifice came about. What was the 50-50-50? Why did James have this idea? And, And how is this going to be your path forward? Okay, so it all started with that four-mile fun run, and James struggled, and I told him he was pathetic. I said, you're 28 years old, and you can't run four miles. So I signed us up for the Salt Lake City Marathon April of 2015. I'd always wanted to run a marathon, so that was our first marathon. We both said, we're never doing that again. And he had a friend that said, hey, you know, that same friend that said he lost everything, you know, he said, you could never be as good as me at triathlon. And James like, wait, triathlon? I get to ride my bike? So he did like 14 sprints that summer. And then I did it. I was expecting a baby. Uh, My third daughter, Daisy, I did my first sprint when I was pregnant with her. And then uh, we led into bigger, badder and better things. So eventually when we lost everything with the recession, James needed to think of a creative way to set himself apart from other triathlon coaches. And so that's when he created the concept of doing the world record. So the half Ironman world record did not exist, but the full did, and it was 20. So we figured that he could do the full Ironman world record in 2012, but in preparation and in, you know, the the ability to strategize and figure out the system, he would create the half Ironman world record in 2010. So in 2010, he completed uh, 20, 22 half Ironmans in just 30 weeks is what he did for that one. So 22 wasn't that big, but it wasn't about that. It was about the full, that was just kind of a lead up to a sure. setup mm. to the 2012. And so then in 2012, he completed 30 full iron distance triathlons through, uh, 11 countries. Um, and then we had, he was leaving late Havasu, Arizona. We were headed to Phoenix for Ironman, Arizona. 
And then he had Palm Springs left and that was it. So with two to go, we're driving from Lake Havasu, Arizona to Phoenix. And he says to me, I have an idea. And that's when I start to panic and go, oh no, oh no. And he says, I want to do 50 Ironmans through 50 states in 50 days. And I about died. I was like, James, have you no respect? I barely survived this year. I cannot believe you're even bringing this up. And that was right after the race where he pulled Dayton, a boy with cerebral palsy. And there had been some issues with that. that ended up being, you know, ma- making the cutoff by a short time. And that's a beautiful story that you'll have to wait to hear from him one day. But I had to, I assisted, I did half of the bike ride with him helping push this cart. And it, it was just a really traumatic day. So we're driving and he has this idea and I'm like, are you nuts? So I said, you can't talk to me about it until February. We've got to get through Ironman, Arizona. You've got to get this Palm Springs race done. You've got to get this world record. I've got to go home and throw up (laughs) and then then we can talk about it. And so, you know, he kept asking, kept bringing it up. And I, I kept saying, it's not February. It's not February. So finally in February, he prances in in the morning with a big smile on his face and says, it's February. It's time to talk about 50 Ironmans through 50 states in 50 days. And this was two, 2013, and he wanted to do it in 2014. And I said, that is a bad idea. These two years were, you know, these two world records were far more complex than we had recognized initially. Yeah. So I said, if you do it in 2015, I can get behind that. But we're going to need the two years. I mean, just if you, if you know anything about iron distance triathlons, particularly Ironman events, they're like $800. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. You, and you have to sign up a year in advance. So just registering for those races and getting the money and trading babysitting and cleaning people's houses and weeding their yards, to get them to help us with race entry fees was intense. So I knew I was like this 50, 50, 50 thing that you're downplaying is going to be a lot of work. So you've got to give it two years. Yeah. And so that's when he was like, I can do it. I know I can do it. Wow. So that's how it all started. And so in 2015, he started on June 8th or June, no, June 4th, I think, and finished on July 25th. And he did 50 full iron distance triathlons through 50 days in 50, 50 consecutive days through 50 wow. states. Wow. And, and we just want to. And here we are five years later. <laughs> wow. wow. And we want to urge anyone who hasn't seen the documentary. I know it's currently on Amazon. Is it anywhere else? Yeah. You can go to his website, ironcowboy.com, but it is on Amazon Prime. Perfect. So. It's so amazing this this whole story. Um, but to back up just a little bit, you you told us before this that you did a, a full Ironman distance in Lake Havasu. Was that the same time when when uh, when he was doing that for the first? No, I think I think that was. I don't even know. I'm so bad okay. when it comes to remembering the things I've done. People are like, "How many marathons do you run?" I'm like, "I have no idea." <laughs> Um, I think it was in 2014 when I did it. It was a hit series race and is a full distance iron distance, wow. full iron distance trap. So I think my race is in, in between all the stuff he was right. doing. It, it's so amazing. Cause you know, here we are talking about him, but I think everyone needs to pump the brakes for a second and talk about you and your achievements. Um, just to do a full Ironman, I would say, I mean, what do you think the percentage of, of, of marathoners who actually go on to do like a full Ironman, if you had to guess, I mean, it's got to be less than one. Well, let, let me put this into perspective. Years ago, I saw a statistic that said only one percent of the population has done a marathon. Yeah. So, if you think about what percent of the population has done an Ironman, you know, I think um, it, the swim scares a lot of people away. In addition, the cost of a bike and things like that—that's why people love to stick right. to running. It's so convenient; you can do it anywhere. It's just a pair of runner mm-hmm. shoes. Um, but I don't know. I don't, it's not very many. And a lot of them, if they go into it, they don't stay right. in it. They dabble in it and then they back, back off to yep. running. So it's not very many. Well, and, and I remember hearing in the documentary, James said he actually doesn't like running, which was funny for us to hear. No, he and it's like, <laughs> he doesn't. He about all the time. The way we pad that uh, dislike is we do it in the mountains. Okay. And he saw he softens his disdain for running. Well, I'm just trying to picture how the two of you run in Arizona in the summer. That's where we live. And for him oh, to set out in June. We live in Utah. <laughs> we do not live in Utah. Well, but for him Utah, to set out in story. June to do this 50-50-50 was in the middle of the summer. Oh, you're talking about during the yeah. 50. He, we were at Flagstaff. Oh, that should that's come right. for your That's right. I remember seeing Flagstaff. Okay. So 
We flew all the mountains. We flew I was going to say, you, you guys logistically were, you were smart about that. I, I didn't even realize that you had planned out to, to every detail, even taking into account the weather. Mm. Oh my gosh. It was very methodical. And the interesting thing about that is all of that was for nothing. Oh, <laughs> well, I thought Texas, there. wasn't Texas, wasn't there like a hurricane? Oh, not just Texas, honey. There was like the next five states. Oh. I think we had like six or seven days of hurricane. Wow. Like it was crazy, crazy, which is the irony, right? We planned it out so strategically. And then, and you know, we had ambassadors, what we called them that would volunteer from a state to help out. And then they would, they, they were incredibly helpful and did such a great job. The only unfortunate part about that was that sometimes they would change the location, which increased our drive time. So it was amazing to have all these complete strangers step in and kind of host a state um, it saved us. It literally saved us. So in the end, you know, complete strangers made this happen for us. That's that's amazing. And, and so how did this, from a, from, from a kind of a cost standpoint, did Netflix or, or Amazon, did somebody come to you and say, all right, we're going to make this great documentary or was it, was it not even that? Grassrooted, like, yeah. If there were unicorns and leprechauns, that's how it happened. (laughs) That's how we thought it would happen. We thought, well, the clout with the other two world records, but they did nothing for us. I mean, people still were like, yeah, you can't do it. There's no chance. So we did not have a sponsorship. In fact, we did not have a documentary until about 24 hours before James started. And our friends from um, Zydo stepped in and paid for the documentary. The film crew showed up right before we started in Hawaii. So no, we did. I mean, we literally, Young Living Essential Oils, they were incredible. They, we, were, we were with them from 2010, probably until 2018. And they they literally made it happen for us, but not the way you would think it was. Sure. And then Zydo came in and they saved the day while we were out there. Wow. So, oh my gosh, no, it was terrible. Well, <laughs> it was so crazy. I think people who are watching are probably thinking, you know, you had all of that. So add on not only the impossible of... Completing the 50, 50, 50. Like the physical challenge of it. it. Right. But but now the financial piece of it. And then, of course, you played a big part. And I remember you talking about, you know, not really wanting to be kind of crew chief of this. Team captain. <laughs> yeah. Was that something? Well, that was the promise. That was the promise. The promise when I said, okay, you can do that in 2015, but I'm doing nothing. Because I am, I love to work and James loves to play. And so James is really good at handing things over to me that he doesn't want to do. And so I, I was like, I don't, this has to be your project. I don't want to plan your 2015 thing. You have to do it. I'm going on vacation with the kids with, you know, the trip's going to be a vacation for the kids. Well, we had a, a project manager that was helping us before and he was phenomenal. Um, you know, helping James, I was doing nothing. I was trying to graduate from college yeah. We got out there and he decided he was on vacation from day one. But I, you know, I kept saying to him, Hey man, I, I text my friends at home be like, uh, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what's going on because I didn't help plan anything. So I had no idea what was happening. So I say, I'd say to my friends, Hey man, these guys, this guy's like not doing anything. What do I do? Like, do, like, is there some kind of arrangement I didn't know about or arrangement that I should know about? So I would say things for the first probably five to six days, like, Hey man, it looks like, you know, is there anything I can help with? No, man, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then by day nine, I was like, get the out of here, man. <laughs> I was like, Mama bear comes in and it was interesting. Cause he later said, you know, Sonny just bulldozed her way in. And I was like, you bet I did because we had our entire future wrapped up in this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be on vacation. There's nothing I would have loved more than to just enjoy the summer. Right. Yeah. But I knew that if I didn't step in, it was going to completely fall apart. And the hard part about that was, like I mentioned earlier, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't help with any of the planning. Yeah. I didn't know anything. So I had to come into the school of hard knocks and figure it out and just bite the bullet. And it was no joke. So our days consisted of James likes to say it was one really long day with a few naps because you think you've had a long day. Well, try having 50 days that are 22 hours long each, yeah, yeah. you know, when you're sleeping two hours a night, your day is 22 hours and it makes for a long 50 days. Oh, 
but you know, I, I knew that I had to do what I had to do and it worked out. It worked out. Just, I think the question on, well, at least the question that's been on my mind is how did you do it? Like with five kids and also juggling this team captain, project manager role, and then also being a supportive, you know, wife and partner to James. I mean, how, how did you do it? How did you stay sane? Anytime people ask me that question, I always say, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) There is absolutely no other way without the grace of God that this works out. And it's interesting because people always say, what if somebody else does it? I'm like, I don't care. Like I couldn't imagine somebody else it's our story that makes yeah. it incredible. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Ironmans, right? right. The Iron Distance Traffic. You know, the the fact that we pulled off the crap we pulled off or the circumstances we pulled it off, I was like, that was God looking for us. Yeah. Because I can tell you what, all of us that drove through the night, there were only a few drives we remember. Wow. So we knew there were guardian angels looking out for us to make those drives through the night happen through hurricanes. And, you know, it... it it was literally the grace of God for this thing to happen. We just had to be the ones to do the work. It's well, beautiful. Well, and, and and we're kind of in the dark and dreary part of the story, and I want to dig in deeper there, but I know there's light at the end of the tunnel. But before we get to that part, there was a ton of negativity from-, from Social media. Social, yeah, and, and even from everything financially that you're talking about and everything not coming together in the planning. And But, but why do you think people were so negative on him? Hey, he's not going to do it. And then when he was doing it, bringing him down? Was that jealousy? Cause they're not doing something that way. Or what do you think it was? Well, we know we had some problems with the charity and they forwarded me some of the emails. So I know who is behind some of this stuff mm. for that. For those people straight up jealousy, there are people who have tried to make a career in triathlon and weren't able to do right. it. Um, you know, people who are former friends and whatnot, but you know, it's funny because in the moment, James and I have grown so much from these experiences and in the moment, it's hard to imagine people would do things that you would never do. Because right. you're like, why would you ever hurt an animal? Why would you ever beat a child? Like, we would never do that. So to imagine somebody else doing it is incomprehensible. So while we're on this journey, people are calling, you know, WADA and trying to get us busted for made up stuff. And I mean, they're doing their online and they're doing everything they can. And in my mind, I'm like, how could you be so cruel? Especially when I'm a mother, you know, it's like my whole mission in life is to bolster these kids up and have them feel like they can conquer the world. So why would I put somebody else down? I I couldn't comprehend it. And here it is all these years later. And Jay and I laugh about it because you're like, who are these cowards behind a screen that are just big fat crybabies looking to stir the pot. But what's even more powerful about that is James afterwards looked up and I mean, some of these are fake accounts. Like we tried to find these people, but James was able to find and communicate with some of them. And he actually turned them around and they became friends. And there's one guy that he ended up coaching through a bunch of races and this and that. And he was one of his greatest haters. So, you know, people are funny. My, my major psychology. And I always say, the more you try to understand people's crazy, the crazier it will make (laughs) you. You just, you, there's things you can't understand about the human psyche. They just don't make sense, but they were traumatizing at the time. Now I just kind of like giggle, you know, but I think, and Mo probably would agree. I think for me, obviously the physical part, that's just, I can't even wrap my head around, but that mental part of, cause I'm such oh, a, yeah. we're both such people pleasers and I don't know how you guys got through that part of it. You know, you, here you are just trying to do a good thing. We didn't tell him. We didn't tell James. We he ended up finding out later, and us we were just like we have to protect him from everything. So it wasn't until his coach ended up saying something, and well, I don't know stuff with Wada and whatnot. And James was like, "What?" And we're like, "Oh yeah, it's been going on for like weeks, but we haven't told you <laughs> because we had to make sure he kept his mind." And then it messed with him. Yeah. It messed with him until he hit rock bottom in Connecticut, and it was like, "I got to pull it together, and I got to do it now." Yeah. And then more stuff came after that, um, like the, you know, he he used an IV, and there was a he had one race that was an actual race, a hit series race in New York mm-hmm. that someone reported him for doping because you're not allowed to use an IV within two weeks of a race or something. And so they've since changed that rule because of James, but. I mean, like that came after the emotional breakdown and James didn't care. He just plowed the crap right through it. 
But but think about it. I mean, you guys are going to be in the history books of, you know, the sport of Ironman as pioneers who, you know, have smashed, have, record. have smashed records and have just made all of these impacts on the sport, like this IV example. You know, to me, it's such a no-brainer. It's, it's oh, stupid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he was doing what he was doing, and it's the summer. Like, I'm going yeah. through Louisiana, Florida, and Texas. Like, come on, guys. Like, right. But just anything they could do to be a thorn in the side. And that's the psyche. You, It's hard to comprehend. You're like, how would you be a jerk just to make someone's life harder? But it happens every day. So Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I... I want to kind of pivot a little bit and ask you, how were the kids during all this? How were they during the whole 50? You know, did they channel any of the energy or the stress that, you know, happened during those low moments or did, because I, I think it was, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is your oldest daughter, is she Lucy? Uh-huh, and yep. I remember seeing that one moment when he, oh, it makes me want to cry because I was crying when he, he basically said that he's, he's got to meet her to run. And I just, that was yep. so powerful. And so as a mom, you know, my, my whole, my whole being, like you said, is to bolster, you know, my children up and to keep them happy and healthy and safe. And so I, I just want to know like how they were and how it was as a mom to, you know, make sure they were okay as well. Well, we call them the bigs and the littles. Not as much anymore because they're older now. Lucy just turned 18, for that matter. Um, you can imagine how the littles felt about spending the summer in an RV. It was the best thing they could have ever done. Yeah. In fact, of all the activities they could choose to do and they did do and experience, their favorite thing was playing in the RV. Oh. They they didn't, I mean, they did not have a care in the world. And then the older girls, so Daisy, my middle daughter, she's always been able to go down or up. So she enjoyed playing the games with the younger kids, but then she also enjoyed tagging along with the older girls Mm -hmm. and the older girls were involved in the events. So they sold shirts and they ran the five K's and they rode their bikes with James on the days he was feeling down. And, you know, they made friends with all the ambassadors. They're very social and excited about making these connections. And so these kids had the best summer of their lives. And if I would have to say, I think the hardest thing for them was um, Lucy and Lily, they knew I was struggling. And I think it just hurt their hearts that I was struggling. I'd have to say that was the hardest part for them. And they have always and still continue to be incredible friends of mine that I can lean on. So I, I all I had to say was, hey, can you help me with this thing real quick? And they were like, yeah, for sure. Like they get it. There's no mom and daughter relationship of control and power. It's just not like that. It's they get that everything I do for them, I do to make their life better and more valuable and more delicious. So I was able to lean on them in the 50 and have them help me with, you know, small tasks. You know, if we were, whether we were at a laundromat changing loads of laundry while I was taking a phone call or, you know, or even just taking the little kids over to the park and playing with them when the plans for the day had been ruined. So, I mean, I would have to say that was the hardest part for them. But aside from that, man, they stayed up late, didn't ever have to take showers and <laughs> ate whatever food people brought them. And they got to stay up and get up and sleep in it. Nothing mattered. There was no time. The only thing that they had any, you know, recollection or concept of change is they remember waking up and saying, Hey, what state are we in? <laughs> and that's it. Wow. And, and that's it. Little kids, what state are we in? <laughs> and the resiliency that they built that will last them the rest of their lives. And then having totally. already visited all 50 states, what kid can say that? Oh, yeah. Totally. In fact, when they went back to school, people were like, no one's going to want to hear what we did this summer because we didn't go to all 50 states. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids were like, well, we're still excited to hear what you did. Yeah, that's hilarious. They're definitely resilient though. They are all five of them are incredibly strong, incredibly resilient. We've moved a bunch. They are awesome when it gets, it comes to getting no strangers. They are great in taking on responsibility and being self-sufficient. They're just freaking awesome. And how many of them are going to be Iron Manners in the future? None of them. <laughs> None of them get a couple of them play city sports and that's it. They don't like they have no desire. They have the two most athletic parents in the world and they have no desire to do anything athletic. <laughs> That's crazy. That's <laughs> Which is just fine. We don't care. Well, I got to tell you, when when we started watching the Amazon uh, show World's Toughest Race, it was hilarious because I, I, I had just flipped it on and I saw James's face kind of 
swipe across the screen. They, they kind of panned and you saw all the participants and I, I saw him and his beard and I said, what, that, that's gotta be Iron, is that Iron Cowboy? And you're just waiting and waiting and then finally they introduce him. Did you go out to Fiji? Were you part of that experience at all? So no, um, I can't remember why, but the timing was really bad. I can't remember what the, what the circumstances were for me, but James spoke in Las Vegas. He and I went to Las Vegas together and he spoke for World Gym the day before he left or the day he left. And then he spoke in Mexico the day he got back. So there was no buffer of vacation time. And I've actually been to Fiji and I was like, I'm flying halfway across the world. I'm not flying to do nothing. Like we've got to be able to stay there for a while. Um, You know, a lot of people believe in once in a lifetime opportunities. I do not. So, you know, I knew there'd be other opportunities for us to go. And so the circumstances of going, I mean, school was just starting and, it just was weird. So a lot of the spouses went, her families went, but it just, yeah, it, it wouldn't, it worked for us. Yeah. You know, James actually has a job too. <laughs> is that He had to speak, he had to go to Mexico. He had to go, you know, he had places to go. Yeah. So, so is, is he primarily doing speaking engagements and, and coaching? Yes. He is speaking for the New York Giants as we speak right now. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. He, uh, he speaks all over the world. So he's been to, I think he said 48 countries or something. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. And then I just tag along whenever I want. If he's going somewhere I want to go, then I go with him. That's so cool. Cause so, um, Sunny, and let me ask you this. We don't, we don't want to spoil anything for any of our viewers who haven't seen the 50 or who haven't seen the world's toughest race. Um, but do you feel like there was anything that may have been left out from either, you know, your documentary with the 50 or from James's time on world's toughest race. Oh, world's toughest race. They don't even, it's not even close to what actually happened out there. You don't, they, they make it very Hollywood. Yeah. Um, you don't actually get to see a lot of the racing and they only, they only feature a few teams. Sure. So I know a lot of the athletes were disappointed because they didn't, they're like, wait a second, what the heck is this? Yeah. You know, yeah. but the people who watch it love it yeah. because they don't know the difference. So that James, you know, he's got all sorts of great stories about that, but he, it was funny because the producers, you know, Mark Burnett and such were like, Oh, this is the hardest race in the world. We don't think you Iron Man are going to finish. Yeah. James is like, it's 10 days. I can do anything for 10 yeah. days. I don't for 10 days. He's like, are you kidding me? And your perspective changes. He's like, I don't care if I don't sleep a week. Yeah. It's 10 days. Right. Did you not watch the 50? Yeah. yeah. Well, He's like, come on. My <laughs> thoughts, and I explained this to Mo as I was watching. I said, watch me. They're going to finish top 10 easy, no problem. But then I kind of had a reality check and I said, well, James has done the 50-50-50, but his partners haven't. And he's only as good as the weakest link. And not that any of them are weak, but you get where I'm going with that. Um, in, in the kindest way... They had a weak link who was very emotional and the hardest part of the race was dealing with that person's emotions. So it definitely, I mean, probably two days slower than it would have been. Wow. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So to put that in perspective for you. And you know, these guys who did these races, they're adventure racers. I mean, you watched it, right? Those awesome stray dogs and stuff. These guys have been doing this thing for decades. Yep. So James and them, they were just going for the adventure. They were like, this is going to be so cool and so fun. And, you know, it was just what they thought it was as far as the adventure went. They really enjoyed it. Yeah, It's amazing. Well, Sonny, what exciting things are you working on? I know you get to travel wherever you want in the world these days, if it sounds exciting to you. <laughs> <On> air miles, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what are, you, what are you working on these days? So um, I've been a stay-at-home mom for a long time. My oldest daughter's 18, you know, and I've worked little jobs here and there. But um, I, my, my whole thing is start travel a little bit with James to get myself back out into the world and see what's happening out there. You know, and I've done a really good job at staying on top of things and whatnot. But just, just to put myself back out in the world, and um, I've really enjoyed that. And, you know, just like you mentioned earlier, Mo, at the beginning of this podcast – women all the time are like, Oh my gosh, where is this wife? And who is she? And how do we talk to her? And, and I'm a really social and a dynamic person. And so I've decided that I'm going to give that a go and kind of put myself back out there into the world to connect with women. And so uh, podcasts like this are exactly the kind of thing I'm looking to do to, you know, just get to know people and share a message and send love. And I, I've never been a fan of social media I just feel like if you know somebody, I'm like, I, why would I care what a celebrity's doing today? Right. But there's, you know, there's more to it than that. And so I've created some social media stuff that I post on regularly and 
and just trying to get my name out there to be a light to the world and to shed, to shed some light and sunshine and sparkles on the power of women and what it takes to be the person to support. And, you know, our world acts like if you're a well-balanced person, you're worth nothing. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're not the best at something. And so I know it gets under a lot of people's skin and it makes them feel inadequate. And, that, you know, my whole goal is to be like, hey, you can just be some lame mom and still have an incredible purpose and still kill it at life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's that's what I'm working on, getting my name back out there and connecting with people and, you know, trying to shed love and light and kindness and joy and help people see their value and their worth and maybe achieve their own dreams. Can, can I ask you about the the topic real quick of resentment? Sure. What do you, what's your message to maybe other moms or, or even other dads, but people who feel like maybe they've worked that boring job their whole lives or they've been the stay at home mom and haven't had a lot of um, outside world experiences for themselves or for whatever reason, they just feel resentment towards either their significant other or, um, just their life in general, what message do you have for them? That's an excellent question because in 2012, I spent the entire year dealing with people trying to talk me into being resentful and angry with James. Mm. And I was like, if I'm not mad at him, why are you mad at him? <laughs> right? Like, well, look what he's doing to you. And I'm like, well, I don't care what he's doing to me. So why do you care what he's doing to me? I, I couldn't conceive that they cared so much. And why would I, why would I resent him? And why would I... The, the truth of the matter is there's a time and a season. Mm. You have to create that. It doesn't always land in your lap. I'd say it never lands in your lap. If it lands in your lap, you didn't earn it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's a time and a season for things. And resentment, I think, comes from seeing somebody's time and season come before your time and season. Mm. So James got to accomplish all these amazing dreams before I got to accomplish mine. And now I hate him for it. You know, it's like, why would I care? My time and season is going to come and I'm going to have a chance to shine and I'm going to make that happen. I'm not going to, I'm not counting on anybody else to make it happen for me. So here I am at the stage of my life that I'm like, okay, now it's my turn. What do I want to do? But also through the time that I was supporting James, I always took time to do things for myself. Now this sometimes meant waking up at three o'clock in the morning to get my training in, or it meant... It meant um, doing trades to be able to afford to do something I wanted to do, or it meant learning another language. You know, I speak Spanish really well and I've been working on German and it's a free app and it's a few minutes a day, or I worked on planking or I'd work on, I'd paint a room and I'd find paint that I could get for free from somebody. So I was always working on personal development. I never completely had my life over to being a mother wife or, you know, not Sunny. Mm-hmm. Like Sunny Joe has this own being that is unique. Like there is nobody in this world like me. And I know that. And I believe that's the same for everybody. The difference is I know it for myself. So every day I was working on talents and gifts that didn't cost any money to work on my own personal growth. And now when the time and season is arising, I have a little bit of a background, a little stockpile that I've built up Mm. to where I'm now feeling confident and energized to kind of put myself out there. And really, I have a five-year plan. I want things to be booming in five years. I I turned 40 in April. So I figure by the time I'm 45, when my son, he's 11 now. So I'm like, by the time he's 16, when I'm really ready to dive into, you know, a career a little thicker, but it's being realistic about the time and season, but putting forth the work and not sitting around waiting for somebody to do, do it for you. So don't resent somebody else because they've got their crap together and you don't. Just get your crap together. Pick one small thing you're going to do. I'm going to try learning a new language. I'm going to write in a journal. I'm going to clean the carpet once a month. I'm going to paint a room. I'm going to meet a new friend every time I go to the grocery store. You know, just things to put yourself out there to challenge yourself. So that you don't just get sucked into this mom mode or this wife mode or this supporter role. Like, oh, I'm just the supporter. People say that all the time. You go to a race and you're like, oh, are you doing the race? They shamefully say, oh, no, I'm just a supporter. <laughs> I'm like, being a freaking spectator in an Ironman is 10,000 times harder than doing the race. So that's my advice. The time and the season and creating it for yourself. Sunny, you have to be like a life coach, podcaster. I mean, you just have to get out in the world. I feel like 
this world. We're going to shout your name from the rooftops because I can't even tell you. I, oh, I get, I, I'm, I'm definitely like a people person. I'm like emotionally driven and I just feel so inspired because as you're talking and as a mom and I only have two kids. Okay. I mean, I just, I, I only have two kids, but it's not about the number. It's about what it takes to raise a human being in this world. And that one, two, five, it doesn't matter. It takes some energy and some effort. See, even, so don't say I only have two. That's nonsense. This is part one coaching session know, of Sunny Joe and Crumb. <laughs> no, truly, but I, I just I can't tell you enough how inspired I am. Just your whole story, but just just your whole sense of being like in self and and just how James has this massive um identity, right? Iron Cowboy, but really he is well complimented and well like not even supported, but uplifted by your identity and how, like you said, there's a time and season and, and, you know, he, he's doing his thing, but you're, you have been, and you're going to do your thing. And I just find it just so incredibly inspiring, especially as a woman, like we, we need you, Sunny. We need you to like, let me me say this. I appreciate that compliment. It's very kind because that's, that's all I care about. It's, but what I want you to feel more than inspired is empowered. Because if you you feel inspired, you're like, oh man, she's so cool. But if you feel empowered, you say, well, if she can do it, what can I do? Right. There you go. So I hope you feel empowered to say, you know, what is it that I can do? And here's something else that's important to remember going back to the resentment and the time in the season and feeling empowered. James and I are different people and we have different goals. Mm. He wanted to do something that changed the world. Well, I want to change the world by cheering you up in the line at the grocery store. (laughs) So don't discredit your purpose and your goals because they don't hit a world stage. Mm. Wow. One life matters. Just one. If you are kind to one person that day, that matters more than being on any big stage and being any you know, talking any NFL team, whatever it is. So I hope people can feel empowered to say, but what can I do? Not intimidated, but empowered. Like, oh, I could never be her. I don't want that. I want you to say, what can I do? If she can do that, what can I do? Drop the mic. You made Mo cry over here. (laughs) (laughs) We are crying people. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's the first time I think. I... <laughs> if I make you cry, he says I'm your friend. Oh. Usually it's a bad thing, but I love it when I make people cry. No, it, it's for all the right reasons. I mean, I just feel, I truly feel empowered. I really do, like you said. And I, I just, wow, that was just, ah, oh, sunny. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally, you literally brought like a massive sunshine into like this room. And you know, on the days I tell people this all the time, I tell my kids, you know, I'm like, did you say something? They're like, no, I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, if you ever feel like you can't do something or you're afraid to confront somebody, somebody or something, I'm like, just imagine me standing next to you with my arm around you going, you can do it, man. I'm right here. Like, Imagine me standing next to you saying, you can do it. We fear nothing. We fear nothing. Whether it's a confrontational conversation with somebody you care about or someone you hate that you have to cut out, whether it's, you know, t- taking on a bold new dream or task. Seriously, imagine me with your, my arm right around your shoulder being like, it's rock and roll, baby. Let's do this thing. You know? your, your name is fitting, you know, Sunny, of course. I'm sure you've, you've touched on that before. Um, my mother, she passed away, but, but she, her Instagram handle, and she kind of always went by AZ sunshine. And we always kind of think of it the same way. You know, anytime we feel that, that joy, that sunshine, we feel like she's looking down on us. And, and I know we'll, we'll be picturing you there with your arm around us when, when, when we're feeling, uh, scared or, or, or need a little bit of encouragement and, you know, tying this back to marathon training, I think everybody listening who has thought about running their first half or full marathon or, or even a triathlon, or an Ironman, um, but hasn't been able to pull together the strength that they need to be able to get it done. After listening to this, there's no way that oh. they won't be able to. So no. <laughs> no. we appreciate your time. And so so if we want to find you online, we, we can find you on Instagram. I know that because I follow you. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what's your handle? So 
It's, it's at Sunny Joe Mama. That's where I do like my videos and just at Sunny Joe Lawrence is where I post personal stuff. And I post different things on both. So if you follow both, you will be entertained. Okay. And essentially Facebook is the same. So Facebook, Sunny Joe Mama or Sunny Joe Hatfield Lawrence. Perfect. And Sunny, are there any exciting projects or anything you'd want any listeners to know about that you have coming up in the future? No, not yet. Not yet, not yet. yet people. She's got a five-year plan. <laughs> It's my five-year plan, but I will say this. For people, for you're training with this running, um, half marathon, marathon, 5K, I don't care how fast you run. Just when you start to feel down and it starts to get hard, just think of things that make you feel happy. Mm-hmm. Think of puppies playing in the snow. <sighs> think of cute baby cows. Think of the people you love the most. You know, just a lot of people say, think of the things you're grateful for, but I prefer to the shift of think of what makes you happy because it will completely change your running experience. And, you know, running is meant to be enjoyed. So if you're suffering, change your system, do something different so that you love it, you enjoy it, and you look forward to it instead of dreading it. Powerful. Let's end on a high note. Yeah. Mike. And right there. What do you mean high note? This is all high note. What am I saying? Well, thanks again, Sunny. Thank you so much, Sunny. You are so welcome. Best wishes. Thank you. you. We'll catch up with you soon. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this runny journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify. Search his name under B-R-E-K-K.